listening to The Monica Klein Show, and I'm your host, Monica Leal Klein. I'm a former comprehensive sex educator of over 10 years. I was trained by the LGBTQ community and Planned Parenthood. I left that career because of their distorted view of our children and their disdain for family. Families are facing a determined opponent. The social change culture wants to influence children's attitudes and beliefs about sex, gender, identity, race, religion, and economy. But first, they have to diminish and eliminate the voice of the parent. So naturally, I found it. It takes a family. It takes a family to raise strong children, build healthy communities, and form a great nation. What better way to derail the enemy's plans but by strengthening the very institution they're afraid of? The family. Hello, welcome back to part two with Jennifer McWilliams. We are going to pick up our interview from part one and continue talking about social emotional learning. In this episode, we're going to talk much more about what parents can do. We're going to talk about the law, um, how to approach your school board, how to approach your school in general about this program that is really nationwide. Um, and, and really pushing a lot of ideologies and, uh, beliefs that majority of of families do not believe in. So this will be a really great interview. I hope you're having a great day today. You know, it's actually great here in Texas. We're in that wonderful time of the year where the weather is just perfect. It's not going to last long. So we have to enjoy it for as long as we can. Right now it's really sunny, but with a cool breeze and there are no mosquitoes. And so you can be outside and just frolic around and you're not going to get sweaty. (laughs) You're not going to be bit by anything. And it's really awesome. And, and so I'm trying to actually be outside as much as I can, because at some point it's going to get really hot and sweaty, which I actually don't mind. Um, I'm, I'm a native of Texas from the Southern tip of Texas actually. And so I, I don't mind that weather at all, except for the mosquitoes. That's a real big problem. Um, or if I have to go to a meeting and then humidity does, you know, not so good things to my hair. Uh, and, and then I feel sweaty if I'm wearing business clothes, but if I'm just, you know, romping around the property and enjoying the dogs and going for a walk, I think it's awesome. So hopefully you are enjoying your time in your state and let's give a listen to Jennifer McWilliams. Yeah. They, um, another, so one of the, one part of social emotional learning that is has become a big focus is the neuroscience behind it. So, so they are training teachers how to use um, uh, neuroscience, um, how to redirect a person's brain to um, to accept this ideology. And to be, the idea behind that is that the parents, what they're learning at home, that is all outdated. Okay. So the world has changed and the parents um, are not equipped to teach the children um, how to function in our changing world. And so the, the now the teachers will use, um, they use things like yoga and meditation um, to literally rewire the child's brain to understand that what they're seeing, you know, at home specifically, um, especially one with, you know, Christian values, that that is outdated thinking. 
and that in order for this child to be successful in life, they need to be rewired. Yes. So Jennifer, um, as you're talking about that, using yoga and mindfulness, I think believe what they is what they call it in social emotional learning, mindfulness, a lot of the practices that they're implementing in the school through SEL in regard to mindfulness have a lot of Eastern philosophy. Uh, So when you mentioned yoga, but it's not just stretching, but the chanting and my friend here, and I think you're familiar with her, Carol Ayala with Concerned Parents of Texas. She was a teacher at Austin ISD who ended up leaving because uh, she they were basically trying to indoctrinate the teachers with welcoming schools from the human rights campaign, which is really teaching preschoolers and elementary school kids to accept the gay community, uh, but not just accept them but really become activists for them. And they taught them all about what their relationships look like and all of that. Um, And so she ended up quitting her job, but she did mention that in their mindfulness time, the children were sat on, um, you know, on the floor and they were to watch a video of a pulsating ball and, you know, and basically to empty their mind, which is a very Mm -hmm. Eastern type of practice. Like I think Buddhists maybe practice that. And, you know, so for the children who don't believe that and who, you know, families have rights and in this country we have rights where we're, we don't live in a communist country where everyone is being told to believe one thing. Um, so that really goes against a lot of families in this very diverse country that we live in because we have Muslims, we have all kinds of people, people who don't have faith at all, you know, so that is different. Now, when you talked about the neuroscience and changing the brain. So, you know, what I'm hearing is that social emotional learning is, is also very tied to emotion. It really is about emotion regulation. And Mm -hmm. what I want parents to understand is that when Jennifer's talking about the neuroscience and changing the brain is that in many, many parents, many of you have actually heard this, that our prefrontal uh, cortex is not fully developed until age 25. And so in our youth, most of our thought process or, you know, um, this is why so many young people take risks because we're thinking through our amygdala, which is kind of an emotion center of our brain. Um, So this is why um, as young people, uh, you know, when we were young, I'm not young anymore, uh, you know, taking risks and things like that because they don't make good judgments because their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed and, and we're relying more on our amygdala. So it's interesting that social emotional learning is focusing very much on a child's natural tendency to work from their amygdala, their emotion center. And so they're really jumping on that opportunity to change the way our children think and feel and believe by using, by manipulating, you know, their, their own brains, um, manipulating the fact that they are so emotion centered. And um, that, that is a scary, (laughs) that's a really Mm -hmm. scary agenda right there. Um, And what's happening is that instead of our children thinking logically or the school helping our children to think in a logical manner, they're now being taught to focus more on their emotions Um, and which is why we're seeing so many of these issues, I think, with the children being so focused on emotion. If you feel like a particular gender, then you are. If you feel this, if you feel these things, then it must all be true. Um, But we know as adults that relying on our feelings, you know, our feelings change. They can change at any moment. 
uh, we can't rely and depend on feelings for everything. We have to also mm -hmm. use logic. Um, this is interesting. Now, Jennifer, you mentioned books and here in Texas and especially in the school district that I just left you know, a few months ago, Leander ISD, my previous podcast was about the books at Leander ISD and many of them have LGBTQ themes, but a big problem with the books is also that they're full of sexual violence. It's really gone really far. And I don't know if you have any experience with that in SEL, but is that something that you've seen that, that these books are beyond ideology, but that they're actually really graphic in nature? And can you explain what SEL has to do with that? Sure. So actually, I I just worked on it. We were not able to get this bill passed here in Indiana, but um, my organization worked to try to get uh, what's called an obscenity exemption. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, mm -hmm. out of our state. So the, the obscenity exemption basically allows schools, um, it, it gives them um, a pass on bringing in whatever material they want under the guise of, oh, well, it's part of education. And so with social emotional learning, with the culture shift, they bring in um, books across the spectrum that would um, fit any kind of lifestyle, any kind of, um, you know, even fetishes that that people may have um, as adults, um, you know, from sexual violence to, um, I mean, really any anything that you can even imagine. And so these books are coming in and to the library, and it's just another part of normalizing and desensitizing children to this sexual lifestyle. Um, so that is that is absolutely part of the social emotional learning is. Bring, um, excusing and bringing in these types of materials to be an everyday part of their life. Jennifer, it's really strange to, that social emotional learning on the on kind of on the surface level is all about our emotions, which you would assume is to take care of our emotions, to be safe. Um, but yet they manipulate children's minds, they demonize parents, and they expose children to very graphic adult um, topics. And when I say adult topics, the truth is, is there, I mean, even most adults don't want to read about this stuff. Um, you know, honestly, Leander ISD has gone as far, or the children, I mean, the parents at Leander ISD have gone as far as, you know, they, they've written letters to all of their state representatives, school board, uh, state school board members, the sheriff, the FBI. I mean, because these are, these books, they don't have an issue with, LGBTQ relationships in these books. They have an issue with the extreme kind of distorted, really demented topics like you were talking about. They really are obscene. Um, and all I can think is that all of these different, the from what you explained with the habits, um, the books, it all seems to be going to this one, one goal of really driving a wedge between children and their parents mm -hmm. and to diminish the role of family through these stories, through these lessons that they're teaching. It's almost like they're basically trying to change our children's belief system from being part of a family with a mom and a dad and children 
to maybe diminishing family, that family's not important anymore, and that maybe they're part of a larger community of people that are of one mind. I mean, it's it sounds weird, but is that kind of what SEL is? It yes, it's it's very cult like. Um, and the article that I had posted that actually got me fired, that was one of the things that kind of pointed out with it that it was very cult like groupthink mentality. Um, I just for your listeners, I want to say real quick, when I testified on that bill I was talking about to the um, Indiana Senate Education Committee. When I testified in my colleague um, on those books that were being brought in, I mean, we have examples of books in the schools right now of violent graphic rape. And I mean, I mean, really, when I say everything you can imagine, I mean it. Um, And when we testified, we were told beforehand we were not allowed to read the excerpts that we brought. They said it was too graphic to read to the education committee because and the reason they gave is because they said that a child, because it would be broadcast, would possibly hear it. But yet, our we didn't pass; they, they didn't pass the bill to stop this from being given to our children. Um, and and the people that that testified against us that that did not want the exemption removed to remove this material from children were the principals' association, the library federation, the teachers union. So I just, I want to make that clear. People need to know who's for and for this material to be given to children. But um, so yes, on to what you were saying, the, the social emotional learning is absolutely about, you know, that idea of, you know, it takes a village to raise your child. Um, so if you go to the castle's website, it shows you that when you bring in the social emotional learning into the school, it obviously starts within the classroom and the school. But the goal of social emotional learning from Castle is to not only stay within the school. The goal is to be pushed out into um, the community so they have collaborating partners that they work with, um, businesses and mental health collaborators. And then they also push this. They want this to language and this ideology to be pushed into the homes. So they are also um, they also do lessons to train and influence families and the parents on how to use this program at home. Um, I just sat through a lot of teacher training um, that was new from some of the um, uh, Panorama Education, which is who who does the surveys for the schools. And that was a big um, theme was getting parents into the schools to learn this, um, this ideology and this program to use at home. So, Jennifer, you're right. Yes. So you and I spoke a little bit. I I had heard before this and had heard and you told me about Castle and I had researched it and it was it's hard. It's hard to research Castle. But one of the things that I noticed in Castle is that they have a strategy very similar to comprehensive sex education. They actually provide a strategy that the schools can take to start converting the teachers start getting buy-in from the community. uh, And and they do it very strategically, very, very strategically so that they have buy-in from everybody. Um, And really what I'm noticing is that the social emotional learning, and I don't know if you know this, I'm assuming comes with a lot of money. Uh, I have no idea. I'm kind of thinking that the only reason a school would decide to completely revamp the way they 
every poster in the school and, and every lesson that they have, that it must come with a lot of money. That's my assumption. Otherwise, why would the teachers in the district want to change so much if it doesn't come with a bunch of dollar bills? So they have this whole strategy to do that. Um, comprehensive sex education has that same strategy of getting that buy-in um, from the grassroots all the way to the top and from the top all the way down. And what comprehensive sex education does is that they don't want just buy-in locally, but they want it on the state level and the federal level. And SEL, I'm assuming, has the exact same strategy. They want that grassroots buy-in from the community, but they also want a state mandate and maybe even federal mandates that this is what every school across the nation is going to have. And when you talk about the whole child, um, I actually started talking about this a few years ago, um, but I think maybe I was a little bit ahead of my time with SEL, but the CDC has a program called Whole School, Whole Community, Whole Child. And that is now I'm starting to see is a big part of SEL. And when you go to the CDC and you look up whole, whole school, whole community, whole child, what you find is a virtual school. And in that school, they have imagined, and you can actually walk through the school, it's all animated, and they have a general practitioner, they have a mental health practitioner, they have a dentist. Um, in the mental health room, they have diversity posters, and you know they want extended school hours, they want children to be there earlier, and to be and to not leave school until the evening. So basically, the school has now taken over raising the children. Uh, the only thing that was missing was a dormitory. But if they're if they have extended school hours, they feed the children and they're indoctrinating the children, then they're no longer our children anymore. Uh, we're no longer raising them. And so this whole school, whole community, whole child, social emotional learning is very much about diminishing the role of parents. And it's very much about demolishing the whole idea of the nuclear family and the traditional family. But in, in you know, this, Jennifer, this is why I actually created It Takes a Family, because I saw that very similar to Hillary Clinton talking about It Takes a Village. She really meant it. She wanted to diminish yeah. family so that the government would be raising our children under what they believe is the best way to raise a child. Um, and it's and it goes contrary to majority of families and it definitely is contrary to the Christian family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think of something that people need to understand is a big part of social emotional learning and the, the way they are um, connecting all of this together, whether it be from a small community all the way um, you know, at, at a national level and even globally, because this is this is pushed by um, the UN, but is they have these surveys and these surveys are key for them and the mental health of our children because they come in with these surveys and the surveys are very leading questions. So basically whatever data they're, they're seeking to get, they get. Um, and they give surveys to the, the children or they even will send them home and give surveys to the parents and they collect mental health data and then they share it with mental health collaborators. Um, and then from there, they decide on what type of interventions they want to give um, maybe specific students, groups of students, or even the whole school. Um, they may give a 
a survey. Um, the, the latest one is on, you know, equity and social justice. So you, you take this survey and then they get their data that they want that says, well, there's, you know, a certain percentage of students in our school that don't feel like they um, belong or however they word it. And so then they come in with these programs um, or these, um, you know, like a critical race class or, or something like that to, and they use the surveys to justify what they're doing. Um, but these surveys then this mental health data is collected on your children and then shared not only within the community and the mental health collaborators, but also um, at a state level and then on a national level. So then they're deciding, um, you know, I foresee them saying, you know, in a couple of years, well, we've collected all of this data for the last couple of years through the schools. And so now we need to, like you said, mandate whatever they want to mandate, really, whatever direction they, they decide that our country or in our our children's mindsets need to go. And that's really scary. Well, what's interesting about this, um, Jennifer, is that if the teachers are teaching the children that they're victims and that there's all these problems with race and, and just basically all of, all of those words that they're using uh, with critical race theory and inequality. And if they're teaching them that, then that, and then they give them a survey well, how do you think they're going to answer? Mm -hmm. They're going to answer based on what they've been teaching them in the school. So these surveys aren't valid. Number two, I'm not the best person to talk about this. I have a good friend who, who could. We have a friend in common who could talk about this quite a bit. But we're not, Jennifer, isn't it true that, well, yeah, Jennifer, you probably know this. Isn't it true that our children and, and parents are not required to fill out those surveys? Yes. And, and that's what I we tell people is do not fill out those surveys and um, do not add to this because I and I've had people say to me, well, don't I want to fill out that survey so that I'm fairly represented in this community? And, and, and that does make sense. But what people need to do is dig into who's given these surveys. Uh, the one that I mentioned was Panorama Education. You dig into them. They are looking for specific um specific topics specific um data so they don't care what you say they're just going to use whatever part of the data they collect as um, the justification for what they want and i tell people do not take these surveys because the especially your children in a social emotional learning school they have um they are collecting mental health data on your child and it's really hard telling where that will go if if a, if our government has, you know, uh, 12 years of mental health data on a child, think of all the things you go through as you're growing up as an adolescent. And then um, what is our government going to do with that, that data? And when they get older, I think it's very scary. And I, and people should absolutely opt out of it. Well, a lot of these surveys are, um, they're very leading, like what you're saying, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they have us, they're not really, they're, they're not, they're very biased. And so they're, they're written in such a way that they get the answers that they want. Um, but some of these surveys are also asking children personal questions about their homes and their, their parents' beliefs. Uh, we saw that in Austin ISD, 
Uh, parents actually, you know, because of online learning, parents actually saw the survey that was given to children and where they were asking personal questions about how is mom and mom and dad doing? What are they saying? I mean, <laughs> just weird yeah. stuff. And when parents, you know, found out and alerted, you know, the school then deleted that survey. Um, but, you know, it's actually illegal as well to provide surveys to children without parental consent. Uh, children are not allowed um, to legally to fill out surveys without their parents first giving permission to do that. But many times the schools get around that because they give it to a child and our children are, you know, maybe some of them are rebellious, but majority of the time they are very obedient. And if a teacher says, fill this out, that's what they're going to do. They're going to fill it out or they're going to call it a test or they're going to call it whatever. And that child's going to do it. They can't advocate for themselves because they can't give consent um, because they're so little. So, um, but if your children are older, you can tell them unless it's a test that has to do with academics, you do not fill it out. You don't have to fill out anything that talks about your personal faith or your beliefs or your family's beliefs or your emotions. None of that, because that is not the role of the school. Um, yeah, this is all just so um, scary, but I want parents to know that there are things that they can do. Um, Jennifer, what are some of the things that through Purple for Parents that you suggest parents do? So, well, first of all, like we said, do not participate in the surveys and make sure your children know that they should not. And we even tell our parents to, um, you know, send an email so that you have um, a way to prove that you did this and to the administrators, to the teachers and say that your child has opted out of those surveys. Um, I also suggest people get involved with the schools, get to the school board meetings. That is key. Um, and I think most of us have, have not um, been to those. I, I was guilty too. So I'm not, you know, I understand, like I said, earlier is that we just kind of trust the schools are doing the right things. Um, but I think parents, even if this is new to you, um, this is likely new to even people that are teaching it within the school, the idea of what's, what's going on here. And when you dig into these companies that are pushing this program, it, the agenda becomes very clear. So I would get to the school board meetings and um, raise the concerns. I would Tell your friends and, and everybody about it. Um, it. It's something that needs a lot of attention. And as you can see from what happened to me, the schools are trying to silence any opposition to it. And I think one of the reasons has to be because they've bought into it. I mean, they've spent money um, here in Indiana. You know, there were millions of dollars worth of grants that went out, um, of course, with stipulations where they had to then collaborate with mental health. Um, collaborators and the, the data collection. So I just, I think that this needs to be a conversation, um, an ongoing conversation about what is really going on here. Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, parents, I want you to understand that you are the sole authority over your child. If a child is having any emotional or mental health issues, the school should only be providing um notification to the parent and provide referrals to the parent to care for their child and their mental health needs. But our schools should be schools of academia, not schools of, um, you know, mental health 
health. Um, and in this case, it's not really about mental health. I think they're using um, mental health as a justification and really as the lure to justify doing social emotional learning, which is actually teaching children ideologies that go against majority of the families of this country um, and go against ver the various faiths um, that are practiced within this country. So definitely do what Jennifer was mentioning is get involved um, start reading the policy in your state regarding education and start learning your rights. I know here in Texas, um, we, you know, we, we have a shack, a school health advisory committee, uh, and then we have the trust, the board of trustees and many shack members, uh, parents are supposed to be the majority of these shack members, uh, or, you know, the shacks. They call and they're like, well, you know, we were told this, we were told that, and we're limited in this way, and we're limited in that way. And then I send them the Texas Education Code that that spells out what a shack is supposed to do and what their rights are and what the rights of parents are and what the role of the board is and all of that. And all of a sudden they realize, wait a minute, we've been lied to. And so then they go back to the meeting with truth with the law on their side and then the board is just blown away because parents know their rights. <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately you can't take the word of your board. Um, you need to read for yourself what the education code is in your state. You need to read what those laws are. And, and you know what, and I'm not one of those parents that's super detailed reading law and I still do it. I still do it. And then I have friends who are really good at it and I sit down with them and we teach each other. And so don't do this by yourself because you will feel overwhelmed. And I want you to pray before you start doing it because you will start to feel a little overwhelmed, but with the grace of God and with the help of God, he will make it all peaceful for you. And you will be able to dig into these things and get to the bottom of it. And he will give you the answer of what those next steps are. And then again, don't do it alone with God get some other parents together and work on it together and go together at your school as a united front, um, supporting one another. So there is a lot of hope. Um, this is again, that opportunity to reclaim parenthood. This is our role as the stewards over our own children. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Jennifer, I am so, you know, blown away by you because, um, in all of the nation, I've only heard of one teacher, who has recognized the dangers of social emotional learning and that you actually did something about it to the point that you were removed from the school. You're basically told, you know, you're fired. You're, you're told to go away because you were pushing that envelope um, and you're still doing it. And I love that. So thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you for being on the podcast. But Jennifer, are there any things that you really want parents to know about before we we um, end our, our time together? You know, I would just say that it does seem overwhelming. It's um, the whole idea of the education system and the social emotional learning. But, you know, like you said, reach out to one person, find a friend, talk to them about it, and it will just build from there. And that's how, that's how it's happened for me. And so um, we can make a difference. We just have to, you know, get to work. That's right. And also parents know that you have family and faith policy organizations um, in your state. Like every state has a different 
uh, faith and family organization that is working on this. And so get plugged in with your your state's organization because they can help you. They've already done the research. Um, they may even be able to give you the tools that you need to combat something in your school. Uh, maybe there is a purple for parents. I know that, that y'all have been, Jennifer, y'all have been trying to get purple for parents in different states. So um, just, it, I think another great resource is to go to PCHC or Protect Child Health Coalition um, and, and look at their information on their website that can really help you as well. Jennifer, were there any other resources that you wanted to talk about? Um, not that, not that, not off the top of my head right now, but, um, um, you know, one of, one of the resources that I have used is the Freedom Project Academy. They, they've done a lot of great work on um, being a media source that has brought a lot of attention to social emotional learning. So that might be another one to check out for people um, to understand better what's going on. Perfect. I hadn't heard of them. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much, mm -hmm. Jennifer. Thanks for being on the podcast. And, you know, we probably are going to get a lot of questions about social emotional learning. So I will, you know, definitely uh, send those over to you. But uh, if people want to know more about Purple for Parents in Indiana, parents, even if you're in Nevada, even if you're in California, wherever you are, um, you know, you can still glean information from Purple from Parents in Indiana. So, Jennifer, how can people find you and find the organization that you're a part of? Sure. We have we have a lot of people from out of state, actually, um, because a lot of these issues are national. So we have a Facebook page, Purple for Parents Indiana. We have a public page. We have a private page that you can join. Um, we also have a website, purpleforparentsindiana.com. And um, so you can reach us either 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 way. Great. Thanks, Jennifer. And thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. And we'll be praying for you and all of your efforts there at Purple for Parents. Thank you for everything that you do. Thanks, Monica. Thank you for listening to the Monica Klein Show, a podcast of It Takes a Family. If you feel led to support the efforts of It Takes a Family, please visit us at www.ittakesafamily.org and click on the donate button.